Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out uh, our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, So as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart and bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Uh, we receive it. Well, praise the Lord. Um, we are, we are in, a, in a series uh, called The Bible Tells Me So. Uh, and um, coming off of that you know, wonderful uh, Sunday school song, uh, Jesus Loves Me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Now we are we are a good bit into this, Um, so so I'm going to jump right in to where, uh, for sake of time, where uh, we've uh, left off, uh, and and remind you that uh, that Scripture tells us that there's coming a time when the Bible tells me so will not be accepted. Where the, where the Bible tells me so will not be tolerated, uh, where the Bible tells me so will, will not be put up with. That, that if we say, uh, Jesus loves me, uh, declaring what we believe, and, and, and they say, how do you know? And we say, well, I know because the, the Bible tells me so. We say that uh, there, there was a time that that was okay. Uh, you know, people would maybe say, well, I don't believe it, but it's okay. But the Bible tells us that there's coming a time when it won't be okay, when it will be opposed, when it will be uh, rejected, uh, when, when mankind will not put up with it. And you know, we may be seeing the fulfillment of that prophecy. It seems like 10 minutes ago that it was okay. Like last year, tolerance was like the big thing in our country. We tolerate everything. That's tolerance. But now we've shifted in one year from tolerate everything to cancel everything, to where everything's not tolerated, but everything is, is opposed and rejected. Well, well not everything, just, just Jesus things, just the Bible tells me. So everything else is okay, but sound doctrine. Sound doctrine will be opposed. Every other doctrine, doc, doctrine <laughs> every other little dog, Dotson, running. <laughs> Every other doctrine will be, will be okay, but sound doctrine will not be tolerated. Now, how do we know this? We know this because the Bible tells us so. In 2 Timothy 4, I know we've read these. Let's, let's read them again. The, uh, that's how the Word of God works, right? It's, it's like what Paul said in, in uh, Philippians 4, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. It's, it's you read it. And then you read it again. And then you read it again. And then you read it again. Uh, Proverbs. I've been reading Proverbs my whole life. I haven't stopped reading it. I read it. And I read it again. And the Word of God, because it's living and active, spoke to me then. It speaks to me now. And it will continue to speak to me in the future. Because it's, it's not a timed out book. It's timeless. It hasn't lost its relevance. It only grows. 
in relevance. It's not washed out. It just gets better and better. It's not old and outdated. It's fresh and new. Maybe you don't know that, and and the reason you wouldn't know it is because the only reason you wouldn't know it is because you're not looking into it. But if you look into it, you'll see that the Word of God is relevant for today. Let me just, you know, maybe just ramble on and on for a little while. Hallelujah. Has the golden rule timed out? Does it, has it stopped working? Didn't it work for our fathers and our forefathers and their fathers? If, if you do unto others what you would have them do unto you, that works. It worked then. It works now. It'll work in the future. Praise the Lord. It's good preaching. Second Timothy, you know, it's, it's you know, a couple things. I don't know. I, I've grown up in church, so I know a little bit about it. And I don't know. I'm just, yeah, I'm rambling today. Okay, let's just ramble. Maybe we'll title this Ramble. I don't know. We sang Rattle, and now we're going to ramble. Praise the Lord. I, you know, I grew, I grew up in church, so I, I know a little bit about it. Right? I'm, I'm not only a pastor myself, I'm a pastor's kid. Not only a pastor's kid, my, my grandfather was a pastor. It's just generational things going on, so I know a little bit about it. And from what I know, I just want you to know, it's, it is okay to clap in church. It is. Actually, actually, we're instructed, the Bible tells me so, to clap your hands, all ye people, and to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And, and I also think it's, it's okay if, you know, I'm not saying make it up or fake it, but if the Lord stirs you and you want to say amen, say amen. Or, or yeah, say yeah. Or, you know, if you just want to raise your hand and, and put your head down and shake it like that, you know, you can do that. That's, that's okay. You know, we like to, we used to anyway, we, we like to call that having church. Y'all look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm telling you, I've grown up in this and I know more about it than you do, than some of you. Some of you know more than I do, but... All right, okay, stop rambling, get into this, maybe see some things rattle. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, uh, verse 1, this is, we're going to see this prophecy again of, of what's coming, maybe even here. Uh, Paul, speaking to, to Pastor Bishop Timothy, Paul, you, you know, don't miss this. I, I try to say this often as I can, I don't want you to miss this, but, but Paul writing to Timothy under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He, he's, his pen is moved along by the Holy Spirit. This is, this is not just Paul writing. This is, this is the Word of the Lord being written to, to Timothy, but God not only knowing that Timothy's going to read this, that thousands of years later, we would need it as well. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, Somebody say Jesus. I don't, maybe every time that we, that we are reading Scripture and we, and we see Jesus, maybe we should just recognize that and say, oh, Lord Jesus, Jesus, in, in, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, or maybe we should change that, I like cross that out and just say, who might judge the living and the dead. You like that? Is that acceptable? No. Who 
who will judge the living and the dead in view, and in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Oh, what is He going to say? I mean, that is a big deal. In, in, in light of all that, in view of all that, what's He going to say to Timothy? Here it is. Preach the Word. Preach. Preach the Bible. Preach the Scriptures. Here, here's what's needed, Timothy. You need to preach the Word of God. You need, you need to be saying with your, with your voice and with your actions, Jesus loves me. And oh, by the way, He loves you too. That, that needs to be coming off your life everywhere that you go. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come that it's, it's going to come. There's going to be this time coming. And, and like I've said, you know, if we look around, don't we see glimmers of this? The, the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They're, they're going to oppose it. They're going to stand against it. They're going to cancel it out. Again, important word here, sound doctrine. They'll put up with all kinds of other doctrine. That will be just fine. Have all the doctrine you want, but, but unless it's sound, if it's sound doctrine, let's not put up with it. That doesn't even make any sense, does it? It should be flipped around the other way. If it's false doctrine, we shouldn't put up with it. If it's sound doctrine, that should be what we want and what we desire because sound doctrine is true doctrine. We will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires... They will gather around them, this is important, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number. This is is important right here to to notice that that it's not just a number, right? It is a great number. It's not a few, it's, it's a lot. It's not just one or two, there is a great number that will be gathered. The King James uses the word heap, like to just like, Pile up, heap up a number of teachers. So, so not only is this word great important here, but this word teachers is important here as well. There, there's going to be a great number of teachers. Right? So it's not, just, it's not just people that, that believe some idea, but it's actual teachers. Or, or maybe we should you know, change that or, or help us to understand it, maybe to fit our culture a little bit better, experts. We can make it experts, right? Isn't that what teachers are? We go, to, we go to teachers because they're experts in a certain area, in a certain field, and, and they teach us according to their expertise. So they gather around themselves not just a great number of, of individuals, but a great number of teachers or experts to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth. Again, that makes no sense. When, when we recognize the power of the truth and how important uh, truth is, we want to turn our ears towards uh, the truth. But they'll turn away, turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. So they're going to they're gonna turn from the truth and turn aside to, to miss or uh, I looked that up in the Amplified, and it and it said um, it said man man made fiction. Turn aside to man made uh, fiction uh, theories 
uh, old wise tales, uh, fables, myths, and they will be and, and they will they will gather around themselves a great number of people who are experts in these myths, who are experts, who are teachers in these in these theories, uh, in these uh, uh, man-made uh, fictions to to uh, justify their believing in these myths. Right? They say, I, you know what, I believe this man-made theory, this man-made idea, this myth, and so, and so I'm going to gather around myself, not, not a few, right? because there's strength in numbers, right? It, it's powerful when you get a whole lot of people that are saying the same thing, and, and then they're experts. You gather around themselves a great number of experts uh, to, to tell them what their itching ears want to hear, to tell them that these myths are right, that these myths are true, that, that they can believe these myths and follow these myths, that they can turn aside from the truth and embrace these, these myths. This, this time is coming, just to point it out again, sound doctrine is not going to be put up with. Instead, there will be experts and a great number of them, heaps of them, not a few, uh, who, uh, who are experts in man-made fiction, man-made myths, man-made uh, ideas, and, and say that, that these things are, are sound doctrine, that these myths are true, that, that we should build our lives on these, and, and just telling, telling, uh, telling people what their, what their own desires, their itching ears uh, want to hear. You know, I, I think we can see these things going on. You know, you, you, does anybody listen to the news anymore? You know, it's hard, but it's, but it's kind of interesting. You know, you maybe need to listen enough to, to, see, uh, to see things that are taking place, to see things that are going on. They, they say these crazy things, crazy to me, like crazy. I can't even wrap my mind around them, crazy. And then they say, according to the experts. I'm like, who are these experts? You know, oh, 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 well, the experts say so. Well, it must be true then. If the experts say so, if, if, if there's a great number of teachers that, that say this, then it, then it absolutely it must, be, it must be right. It must be true because the, because the experts are, are going to say this. Now, now uh, so, you know, so my point again, we see this taking place in, in our day and we see that that these who are opposing sound doctrine, who are gathering around themselves a great number of experts and, and teaching myths, you, you could see how challenging and deceptive that that could be. Especially if you bring into the picture that, that these teachers are moved along by the master deceiver, that they're influenced by the master deceiver. And, and so these, these deceptions, these, these myths can be, can be very tempting and they can be very deceptive and, and lead many people astray. So, so if you're living in this time, which we, which we, we may be, and even if we're not living in this time, we are going to face opposition to sound doctrine. The enemy's going to oppose sound doctrine. If you're living in this time, you've got to recognize that, that at some point in time, 
If you've got sound doctrine, at some point in time, the enemy's coming after it. And he's going to come after it in, in his deceptive ways. And, and there's probably going to be experts and not a few that try to challenge who you are and what you stand for and what you believe. Like We, we see this happening among our young people. Right, as, they, as they grow up in church and they get a little bit older and they graduate from high school and they, and they leave. and they, one, of the, one of the things that happens when Christian young people go off to college, this is going to happen to Tanner. Okay, Tanner, this is coming. He's, he's going off to Troy, going off to school. Now, I'm not saying Troy is not, is, is not a good university, but it's not a Christian university. He's, he's going to go off and what's going to happen is experts are going to challenge his doctrine. They're going to they're come against his doctrine and not a few. And they're going to come against it saying they're experts. And so, so Tanner's going to need to be ready to go out into the world that is full of wolves in sheep clothing. You hear me? Yeah, he knows it. He's shaking his head. Shaking his head. So, so listen to me this morning, Tanner. Maybe this, maybe this just for Tanner and all the rest of you get to listen in. So, so let me tell you three things that, uh, that Paul says to Timothy before he, before he says this to him that are, that are going to help us, help Timothy, and help us uh, so, that, so that we have sound doctrine and we don't turn away from it to myths or lies or deceptions or, or, or false things. Three, three things, we find them just back a chapter uh, in 2 Timothy uh, 3. Uh, two of them are found in, in verse 14, 2 Timothy 3, uh, verse 14. And then, and then the third one I want to share with you is, is back in chapter uh, 4, verse 2. Uh, so, so Scott will do 2 Timothy 3, 14, and then, uh, and then again 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. 2 Timothy 3, uh, 14. Well, let, let's read 13 first. Uh, Scott. Oh, look at him. He's, he's reading my mind. Uh, this, is, this is, again, you know, Paul saying this to Timothy right before he's going to say to him that there's a day coming when this is going to happen. He said, while evildoers and impostors uh, will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So not only are they deceived, but they're, they're spreading their uh, deception. Uh, because, you know, you know, like it or not, um, each and every one of us are influenced by others, and each and every one of us influence others. That's why wise people of God understand that that uh, that I'm connected, and others are affected by my life, and I am affected by theirs. So these that are deceived, that are they are also deceiving. So it's the blind leading the blind, as Jesus said. Uh, verse 14, but as for you, right, we're, we're not going to, Timothy, turn away from sound doctrine. We're not going to turn away uh, from truth. Uh, we're, we're not going to go from bad to worse. We're not going to uh, deceive and be deceived. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned. So, so let me tell you this. You've got number one, you, you need to continue in the truth. You need to continue in what 
you have learned. You need, Tanner, you're going to have to continue in the truth. And all of us will. Because as we live out the truth, it's going to be opposed. And it's, and it's not going to be opposed easily by, by experts, teachers, who have studied how to oppose sound doctrine who have studied to make myths and fiction and fables sound right and good and just and true, and they're not a few. There's a lot of them. There's a good or a great number of them. So, so we've got to make sure that we continue in the truth. So it doesn't make any sense. I'm just using Tanner as an example here. It really doesn't make any sense, right, for Tanner to go off to school and have a professor who he, who he's, who he doesn't know or anything about his life or anything about his past or his present and allow that professor who he has, who has no relationship with and no idea about his life, allow that professor to lead him off track, and to abandon the things that he has grown up in, that he has learned from the people that he has learned them from. So Paul says to Timothy, uh, continue in what you have learned. And then down here he says, because you know those from whom uh, you learned it. And, and when he's speaking to Timothy, he knows that Timothy has grown up in the home, in a, in, a, in a Christian home, if you will, being taught the Word of God by his mother and his grandmother, and he knows these people and what people of God they are, so he's going to continue in the truth. We're going to have to persevere in the truth. We're going to have to continue in the truth. You've got to persevere in the truth. You've got to continue in the truth, and I'm going to give you help for that in just a second. Also, it says, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. We've, we've got to not only continue in, what we've, in the truth, but we've got to be convinced. We've got to be a, a people that are certain. We've got to be a people that are, that are 100% for sure, that we are convinced of the truth that we have been taught, that we are convinced of the truth that we have learned. See, see, somewhere in Timothy's life, right, he's, he's learning the truth and he's, he's believing the truth because he, because he knows who he's learning it from, but at some point in time, it becomes his and he becomes convinced of it. Right? See, see, I grew up in a Christian home where mom and dad taught me the Word of God. They treated me like I don't even treat my own kids. Like, drag me out of bed at 7 o'clock in the morning to, to get up and read the Bible and pray together. I don't even do that to my kids. We do it at night. I'm, I'm not as bad as my parents are. Mm taught me the Word of God, and, and I believed it because, because of those who were teaching it to me. But at some point in time, I became convinced of it. It became my sound doctrine. And, and I'm doing the same for my children. So at some point in time, they will become convinced of the truth of the Word of God. That, that they will say, the Bible tells me so. And that they will be convinced that the Bible is true. You've got to be, you've got to continue in the truth, and you've got to be convinced of the truth of 
the word of God, the truth of uh, sound doctrine. Uh, now, let's, let's finish out this, Scott, uh, verse 15, because uh, Paul's going to point Timothy to the word of God. And he says, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. Let me just, I know I say this, let me say it again. Moms and dads, you, you, you've got to teach your kids the Word of God. It, it needs to be the, the, the book that trumps every other book. We've got to teach them, the, we do as parents, the Holy, holy Scriptures. We've got to make sure they're, they're in the Word of God and, and from infancy that they know the Holy Scriptures, that they know the Word of God because, because they're able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So not only does he point to the Holy Scriptures, but, but he points here to Christ Jesus. Right? So let's do it again. Jesus. You see, well, you know, you guys don't even listen to me. I said, I am your pastor. You better listen to me. I said when we're reading the scripture, you got to say Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, some of you still didn't do it, and that's okay. All scripture, all scripture, it's a powerful verse, is God-breathed. The, I'm not talking some ordinary somebody here, okay? I'm talking about the Apostle Paul has just said to Timothy that all Scripture is, is not the writings of men. He said that all Scripture is God-breathed. That, that this book, Paul says, is the Word of God that God God has put it together, that He has made it what it is, that He's the one that connected it and breathed it and wrote it and inspired it, and He's the one that made it come to us thousands of years later. What a gift this is. The Apostle Paul says, this book is God-breathed, and He's not the only one, but we'll get into that. And, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the Holy Scriptures, God-breathed, useful for, for all of this uh, so, that the, so that the saints, people of God, servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work and, and, and thoroughly equipped for every opposition of the enemy and thoroughly equipped for every false teacher, and no matter what number they are and, and how skilled of an expert they are. are you, if, if you're an expert in false, what does that make you? I don't know. <laughs> thoroughly equipped for every good work and thoroughly equipped to stand for the truth and not be moved. Okay, so, so uh, let's go back to verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1, or, or verse 2, I mean. It says, preach, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. That's the third thing that, that you've got to be, 
Okay, you've got to, uh, you've got to, you got to continue in the truth. Uh, you've got to, you've got to be convinced, and you've got to be prepared. You've, you've got to be ready. You, who knows, who knows when it's coming? Uh, who knows, who knows when false is coming? Who knows when your sound doctrine is going to be opposed? You've got to be prepared in season and out of season because the time is coming when, when you'll say, you know, whether with your speaking or with your living, hey, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves you, and someone will challenge you or someones will ta- challenge you who, who, who are, a, are, are a prepared teacher, expert, adversary will challenge you and say, that's not true. How do you know? And you've got to be ready. You've got to be prepared to say, well, the Bible tells me so. And more than that. You've got to be ready and prepared. That's what, that's what Peter tells us uh, in 1 Peter 3, uh, verses 13 uh, through 16. And, and here in this, uh, Peter gives us he gives us what we need. Really, there, there's more than this, but what Peter's going to give us here is what we need to be prepared. It's what we need uh, to be ready. It's what we need to continue in the truth. It's, it's what you need. Peter's going to give it to us. There's more, but Peter's going to give us really all that we need. This is, this is what he says here. He says, who is... Who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. So, so if our sound doctrine is opposed and we suffer for what's right, what a blessing. Do not fear their threats and do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Or maybe better said, is, is in your heart, Make Christ Lord, or set Him aside as Lord of your heart. And here it is, always, what? Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared. You've got to be prepared to defend the sound doctrine that you are building your life upon. And not only does Peter tell us to be prepared, but Peter gives us what we need to know. And I want to show it to you, and and we'll focus the the rest of our time here on this, because this is what is going to help us to to be prepared, to be convinced, to continue in the truth. Here it is. Here it is, uh, but in your hearts, make Jesus Christ Lord. But in your hearts, set Jesus Christ, the Messiah, as your Lord. And if, and if Jesus is Lord of your life, if He has been set as in your heart as, as your Lord and your Savior, your Savior and your Lord, then you have what you need to stand, and you know who you need to know to stand. You have what is needed for sound doctrine. It is Christ Jesus 
as Lord. Now, I like that Peter makes Jesus Lord. And he says that we've got to set him in our hearts as Lord. Because one of the troubles in the church, the reason that there's not sound there's a, that there's a that there's not a lot of sound doctrine and that so many are so easily turned aside by teachers who are experts in myths one of the reasons why is because Jesus isn't lord one of the reasons I think that Ephesians 4 tells us that in the church there are infants in Christ who are blown and tossed by every wind of teaching that comes along. And don't we see that happening? We see, we see those who believe in Jesus and yet they're blown around by every false wind of teaching that comes along. And some of us you know, you know, who are a little further along in things are like, what? How do you believe that? No! Get back on course. Get back in line. The reason, one of the reasons why is because Jesus is, He's Savior, but He's not Lord. That's, that's what a lot of people want, right? They, they want Jesus Savior, but don't want Him Lord. All, but, but you don't get one or the other. Right? It, it's, it's both and. Right? Really, if Jesus is Lord... Then he's Savior. Maybe we could call it like the rich young ruler condition. Isn't isn't that his problem? You remember that story, Matthew 19, where he turns and walks away from Jesus? You know why? Because he wanted Jesus Savior. He didn't want Jesus Lord. That's what he says. He he comes to Jesus and he he says, what must I do to have eternal life? Right? He says, I want salvation, I want heaven, I want all of the treasures and blessings of the kingdom of God, what do I got to do? And what does Jesus say? He says, yeah, just keep the commandments, and he says, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, but still seems like something's missing, still seems like something's not right, and then what does Jesus do? Jesus, knowing his heart, knowing that he's rich, knowing that he's got lots of money, he says, hey, hey, just sell your possessions, give to the poor, and then what does he say to him? Come and follow me. He says, hey, you know your real trouble is money's your Lord. Your, your treasures, your earthly treasures and, and your possessions, your great wealth, that's Lord. Right? You, you want me Savior, but you want money to be Lord. He says, can't have it. Can't have it. But if you'll, if you'll lay down money as Lord and, 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 and you'll set me as Lord in your heart and come and start running, running after worldly treasures and start running after me, following after me, then you're going to be okay. Then, then, then you also get me as Savior. Then there's eternal life and, and the kingdom of God and all of the riches and treasures and rewards of the, of the kingdom of God. He said, then you get that. And what did the rich young ruler do? He turned. And he walked away because he didn't want Jesus as Lord. He just wanted him as Savior. But we, we want to make him Lord of our lives. And when he's, when he's calling to us to follow after him, and we follow after him, and he's Lord, when he's Lord, then he's also Savior. And you proclaim him Savior and Lord, Lord and Savior. You, you see, if, if you don't want the Lordship of Jesus, you just want the salvation of Jesus, you're going to be easily led astray. You, you're going to be blown and tossed and turned. 
that you're going to be deceived by, by experts in myths who are, who are good at teaching them and making them sound right. But if you set Jesus, yeah, as Lord in your heart, it's, it's, like, it's like then that the house that is, the, that is your sound doctrine, it's like this, it's like it's built on a rock. And when the enemy comes, it'll stand. And when the storms come, it'll stand. And nothing will crash that house because it's built on the rock. It's like Jesus is a rock that we build our lives upon, that we build our doctrine upon. And and when it's built on Jesus, then it's sound. And when it's built on Jesus, then it stands. He should have said that. He should have weaved that into the Sermon on the Mount. Don't you think? I think he did. You remember that? He, he, said the, he told the story of the, of, the, of the wise man and the foolish man, and the wise man built on the rock, built his house on the rock, and the storms come and rage, and the house stands. You see, if Tanner's, if Tanner's doctrine is built on the rock that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and if Jesus is Lord in his heart, then he can go and he's going to be okay. And let every deception come, he'll stand. Let every wind blow, doesn't matter how strong it is, he'll stand. Let the enemy come with his, with his crooked, deceptive tongue, and he will stand. And so will you, and so will you, if Jesus is the rock your doctrine is built upon. But if you build on anything else... If your rock is anything else, it's not a rock, it's sand. And your house will come crashing down and great will be the crash. Jesus said it. And he said that he, what did he say? He said that he's that rock. He said he's the rock. And, and, if, and, if, and if you build on the rock that is Jesus, if your doctrine is built on Jesus, then it's sound doctrine and it'll stand. If it's not built on Jesus, it's not sound doctrine and it will come crashing down. So we, we asked the question last two Sundays, the uh, question was, who are you listening to? That's a great question. You need to keep that one. You need to ask that one. You need to continue to ask that question. And, and, and this Sunday, I want, you, I want you to ask this question. When it comes to your life, when it comes to your doctrine, who's your rock? Who is your rock? Is it Jesus? Who is your rock? Is it Jesus? Is He what your faith is built upon? Is He Lord in your heart is Jesus the rock of your doctrine of of what you believe to be right and just and true your your core beliefs your that your values and convictions come out of is is it Jesus because one of the huge mistakes that many people make is they make it they make the the rock that really then is sand something other than Jesus you know, one of, the, one of the things that, 
as a pastor, I've been asked over the years, or, or that people have come to me with over the years, is when they begin to doubt. When they begin to doubt uh, the Word of God, and they begin to doubt uh, their, their faith, and, and even uh, most of them actually have been people who've grown up in a Christian home, and have grown up in the church, and as they've gotten a little bit older, they begin to doubt their doctrine, they begin to doubt what they've been taught. They begin to doubt what they've believed. They begin to doubt what their parents and pastors have said. They begin to doubt their faith and doubt the Word of God. And they'll come and ask. It's a good thing to do. If, if you doubt, it's a good thing to do. To find a saint and ask them and talk to them and see what they've got to say about it. And, and, and so when we talk and I listen, one of the major mistakes that they make is that their faith is not on Jesus. It's on Christians. It's on, it's on believers. And I'm not saying believers aren't important or, or, or apart, but they're, they're watching and they're saying, man, I see believers and they're hypocrites. I see Christians and, and they're, they're not doing the things that even, even, they're not doing good things that even worldly people are doing. And their faith is resting on something other than the rock that is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so what I've got to do is I've got to get their focus off of others and get their focus back on Jesus because my faith is not built on my parents. As godly as they are, it's on Jesus. And it's not on you. As wonderful as you are, it's on Jesus. And my wife is a powerful woman of God, but she's not the rock that my doctrine is built upon. She doesn't sustain or support my faith. One of the things that I hear in, in, in pre-marriage counseling or even in marriage counseling is, is, is a wife will say of her husband, he's my rock. Can't be. He can't be. Can't be. Jesus has to be. Or the, or the husband will say of, of the wife, man, you know, she saved me. She's, she's my rock. She can't be. She can't be. Jesus has to be. If, if joy is, then, then my faith doctrine is on a sandy foundation and it comes crashing down. You know, you know one of the reasons that, I, that I, I fixed my eye on her, you know, not on the way that you do on Jesus, but on like, I'm going to make her my wife was because she didn't need me to be her rock. She already had her faith and trust built on the rock that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's got to be Lord in your heart. He's got to be the rock that you're building upon. And, and, and when Jesus is the rock of your doctrine then your doctrine is sound. If he's not, your doctrine isn't sound. And when Jesus is the rock, he is, he is what your belief, your faith, your life is built upon. Then let me tell you this, then the Bible is your book. When Jesus is your rock, then you will say the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. When Jesus is your rock, then you will say, well, the Bible tells me so. Tell you why. Because this, this will be my book because it is his book. 
When Jesus is your rock, you're following after him. And Jesus, Jesus is the reason why we trust in the word of God. He, there are other reasons, but the number one unshakable reason why I believe this book and build my life upon it is because I am convinced that Jesus born in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago to Mary and Joseph who grew up in Nazareth and was crucified on a Roman cross, buried in a rich man's tomb, rose again on the third day. I'm convinced that he is the only begotten Son of God, that He is Savior and Lord, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, that He is the Christ, the Messiah, and that He is the only way, truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. And if you're convinced of that, then this book is your book. I don't know what to do with a preacher who preaches Jesus but won't preach the Bible. That don't make any sense at all to me. I, I don't even compute in my mind. That's a, that's a preacher that I'm not even going to listen to. If you are convinced of Jesus, you are convinced of this book because it's his book. Let me show you. If you believe in Jesus and you believe that he is the Son of God, then, then you believe in the Bible and you believe that the Bible is true. You can trust, if you can trust Jesus, you can trust the Word of God. We, we saw what, what Paul said about the Scriptures. He said, he said, for all Scripture is God-breathed, right? You know, Peter also says this. Peter also says this in a, in, um, I, I always, I always have trouble with my, with my first and my seconds, and I get them I get them confused <laughs> all the time, even when I've just studied for this all week. And, and is that is that First Peter or Second Peter? First Peter one twenty. Yes, I got it right. <laughs> Y'all need to pray for me. I don't know, you, you know, something about first and seconds, and then John. There's three of them. That really messes with me. Listen to this. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, uh, you believe in God uh, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are uh, in God. So we see Jesus uh, all in uh, this passage. Go ahead, Scott. I'm confused. Where, where is that, Scott? Or is it 2 Peter? Or did I write it down right? Help me, Jesus. If I can't remember it, I can always find it real quick in Scripture. It's 2 Peter. I'm sorry. I probably wrote down First Peter, didn't I? Because I do that all the time. Yeah. See, so when so when you all pray for me, First Peter is good, and and and, and lines up. So when you all pray for me, pray that I'll be able to get my first and my seconds right in right order, in right order. So Second Peter, uh, one twenty, 
Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so, so Scripture is God-breathed. Men speaking from God as they are carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, not only does, not only does Paul say this and Peter say this, but Jesus says this as well. In John 10, in John 10, uh, you, you know John 10, um, you know, because of, because of Jesus talking about uh, the, uh, you know, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but, uh, but, but he says that I've come that you might have life, and that uh, more abundantly. Uh, so in uh, John 10, uh, Jesus Let me turn to that. In John 10, uh, Jesus is, uh, is going to say this uh, as well. No, not John 10. Really, y'all help me. Matthew, Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Okay, let's take a coffee break. Y'all need to... You need to read through the Gospels and, and watch as Jesus quotes Scripture. And I, I am told that, that He actually references every book in the Old Testament except for, uh, except for maybe Habakkuk. And I may have that wrong, but He, he references every book in the Old Testament. Jesus, all the time saying, it is written. It is written, Jesus all the time saying, the Bible tells me so. As, as a matter of fact, you know, one of the more popular ones is in Matthew uh, chapter 4, when the enemy comes to tempt Jesus, what does Jesus do? He says, it is written. The enemy comes with temptation, and Jesus says, it is written, and he quotes Deuteronomy. And then the enemy comes with temptation, and Jesus says, it is written, and, I mean, and it is written, and he quotes Deuteronomy again. And the enemy comes with temptation. And Jesus says, it is written. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, who is Lord in our lives, our rock, is, is quoting the Bible. He is saying, the Bible tells me so. Jesus endorsing Scripture. Now, in Matthew 22, uh, you're probably familiar with this, that people were trying to question him and trap him all the time. Experts in, uh, experts in, in the law and in, and, and, in, and, and in different ideas were always trying to come to Jesus and question him and trap him, and, and some were trying to really learn. But they, they asked Jesus, they come to him, the Sadducees who don't believe in the resurrection, with this, with this question about marriage. And they, talk, they tell the story... You probably remember about the lady that married seven brothers and all of them died. And then they say, at the resurrection, whose, whose wife will she be? And, and here's Jesus' answer to this. Jesus replied, verse 29, he says, You are in error because you do not know the Scriptures. 
Jesus saying, you're mistaken, you're messed up, because you don't know what the Bible says. If you believe in Jesus, you believe in this book. If Jesus is Lord of your life, then the Bible is your book that you build your life upon, that is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It is that way because it was his book. It is his book. He says, you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you. Now, now he's going to tell them what is written. Again and again and again and again, Jesus, Jesus does this. He says it is written. He talks about the scriptures. It's his book. He says, I, he says haven't, uh, haven't you read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. He, he, he very powerfully points out that God doesn't say, I was the God of Abraham. I was the God of Jacob, but Abraham and Isaac are dead, and Jacob is dead. No, he says, I am their God, saying that they are not dead, but that they are living. Then he goes on. Then, then, the, then the story goes on. It says, when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching because he's, he's teaching and sharing what the Word of God actually says. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Now they're going to take a shot at him. One of them, an expert in the law, a teacher of the law, tested him with this question. Now, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So here again, he quotes Deuteronomy. So if anybody asks you, you know, what, what book did Jesus quote more than any other, then you know the answer is Deuteronomy. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. It's just hard for me to not just pause right here. Doesn't that still work? Has that timed out? Is this a timeless book? Isn't it relevant? Do, wouldn't you want to live by that kind of neighbor? Shouldn't you be that kind of neighbor? All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And the story, story continues. While the Pharisees, Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, uh, they replied. So now Jesus is asking questions. It's a good question for us. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? He said to them, how is it then that David, speaking by the Holy Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, now Jesus is going to quote, quote David uh, from, from Psalms, and did you see what Jesus said right there about David? He said that David was what? Speaking by the Holy Spirit. When David wrote Psalms, 
David is moved along by the Holy Spirit. So now we have Jesus saying that Scripture is God-breathed, that Scripture is, 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 is God-written, that this is God's book. He says, David, speaking by the Holy Spirit, calls him Lord. For he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No, no one could say, no one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Jesus, who is the word, proclaiming the word and saying it is written. And Jesus himself saying that this book is God's book, that this is God's word, that it is inspired by the Holy Spirit, that it is God-breathed, that the authors of this book were not writing on their own, that they were moved along by the Holy Spirit. If we believe in Jesus, then we believe in this book, then the Bible is the book for us. We know this. We know this because Jesus has said it. We know that what He says is true because of who He is. Because He proclaimed Himself to be the Son of God. And then He died on the cross, was buried in a tomb, and rose again on the third day just like He said He would. An interesting read, you can read this as homework for you, is, is Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus is questioned and asked for a sign. And he says, look, there's not going to be a sign given you except for that of the prophet Jonah. And Jesus says, he says, Jonah was in the belly of a whale, if you read the King James, or in the belly of a great fish, if you read the NIV, anyway, a big fish, a whale, for three days and three nights. You know, you know what's one of the most uh, attacked stories in Scripture? It's the story of Jonah. People say, that, that's not true. That can never happen. That's impossible. Yes, it is. Yes, it is true. How do you know? We know because Jesus said it was. And He's the Son of God. How do you know that? Because he said, he said that there wouldn't be one sign given. He said, actually, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks signs and wonders. He said, but this will be the sign that's given, the sign of Jonah. He says, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the earth for three days and three nights. He said, I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to rise again. And that will be the sign that I am who I say I am. Am. And if Jesus is who he says he is, then he should be Lord in our lives, and this book should be our book. I'm telling you, you can build on it, you can believe it, you can trust in it. It has the endorsement not only of Paul, not only of Peter, but of the Lord, the Lord Christ Jesus, who is our Savior, our Lord, our God, and 
our king. You know why you know know that the story of Noah is true? Because Jesus endorsed it. You know why the story of creation is true? Jesus says so. You know why we know that Adam and Eve were the first? Because of Jesus. Because he is, you know what Colossians says? It says that he's the one that holds it all together. If Jesus is your rock, if he's your center, if he's your focus, if he is Lord in your life, he's going to hold it all together. And the time will come when they won't put up with sound doctrine. And there'll be teachers and experts that teach all kinds of crazy things. But it will not lead you astray if Jesus is the rock that your doctrine is built upon. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the Holy Scriptures that you said are God-breathed, are, are, are the words of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we have this amazing book. And Lord, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to trust in the Bible. To say the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. And to do it because we trust in you. Lord, if anyone's confused today, I pray that, that you'd open their eyes so that they can see you. Because when we see you, Jesus, then we truly see. And everything starts to line up and connect and make sense. And we start to, to know and understand and believe. Help us this morning to see you, Jesus. Help us to see that you are the rock that we've got to build on. And help us to build on you. Knowing that when we build on you, no matter what comes against us, we will stand and not be destroyed. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just just want to ask you this morning, I know maybe Jesus is Savior, and you want Him as Savior. But is He Lord? And today, if He's not, do you want to set Jesus as Lord in your heart? And if you do, would you just raise your hand? Amen. Amen. I see your hands. Yes. Hallelujah. See your hands. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I raise both of my hands as well. I want you to be Lord in my heart. Lord of my life. Jesus. Let's just pray together. Everyone just repeating after me. Lord Jesus. Yes. You are my Lord. I set you as Lord in my heart, Lord of my life. Today, I turn away from everything else. I fix my eyes on you to follow after you. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. You are my forever passion. And because of this, the Bible is my book. It's my lamp. It's my light. I will live by it. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.